Hi there, before we start, if you're new to our show, thank you so much for tuning into our program and we hope you'll stay with us for a very long time. And if you're a regular listener, thank you so much for your continuous support throughout this period of uncertainty. We're really grateful for all your kind words and encouragement. You really help this podcast to gain a great exposure as our mission is to center the perspectives of the people who look like us and as women and people who are marginalized historically to the sideline of conversation. So if you haven't already, we encourage you to subscribe to our podcast on Omni, Apple and Google or Spotify. Leave us a rating and a review. And if you'd like to support us, please head to Buy Me Coffee page to make a donation, which will help us to continue the intersectionality of the podcast industry. Did you take your iron tablet? Every day, they don't make a fucking difference. Yeah, I think it's a bit irritating. I wonder if we have some sort of... I get that feeling as well. I wonder yeah. if we have that chronic fatigue syndrome. I don't, yeah. I, I wonder how you that. can get that checked out. I thought about that. Yeah. It's just I wore a tingle. I've heard of people who actually have it. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And um, mine is not that bad. So that's why I've never thought I've never thought to go get it checked out because it's not like that bad. Hey guys, it's Jesse. Hi, this is Helen. And we're Asian Bitches Down Under in the middle of January and the last final days of the lunar calendar. Lunar New Year, I suppose. Helen, oh how God, are you yeah. feeling? Yeah, it's, good year. Yeah. Um, I'm still recovering from my cold. My oh, f- yeah. Yeah, but I'm feeling quite all right because I just went to a climb this morning. Oh, lovely. And um, the weather is not very nice today here up on the coast. Yeah. It was like um, remark- It was like so humid and hot yesterday. I, I, mm-hmm. I visited Kapamata with some family members, uh, which was absolutely delightful. Love Kapramata to death, honestly. Really do it time just before the Lunar New Year, isn't oh, it? Oh, it's so yeah. festive. Um, it's just brilliant. I just love how everything's so cheap. And I'm with my people, you know, Asians. Uh, no, just kidding. Um, my people are... Who are my people? I have no people. Yeah. Um, but anyway, um, you know, I, I only say I'm with my people just because, you know, I, I don't know about you, Helen, but Kappa Matter is such a safe space for me. Not just because maybe there's a lot of Asians around, but um, I think perhaps it's just because um, I only have really fond, comforting memories associated with that suburb because, you know, when we were growing up, when I was growing up at least, um, I was taken there by my parents a lot. Mm-hmm. on the weekends and yeah. sometimes during the holidays and just, you know, always the same stuff. We'd buy groceries and fruits and, you know, sugarcane juice, <laughs> which I still have some in front of me here. <laughs> yeah. I think Vietnamese communities is so important to across um, Asians in Australia. Absolutely. That, that's that's the community that we used to go to when we first arrived in Melbourne as well. Now you're oh, in interesting. That yeah, used to take me to on the train yeah. in, in Melbourne when we first arrived to Flemington. Yes. And I remember quite vividly, I think that's the kind of day that she was the happiest. Yeah, yeah. That she can get to go to a place that where she can get the sort of vegetables she couldn't get from Safeway. Mm. And, um, yeah, just like you said, amongst, you know. the Other Asians. Asians. Well, I just people. Yeah, and eat above hot food. Oh, so, yeah. 
around people <laughs> hanging around people who um well actually what's really strange is um a lot of the people we I encountered yesterday in Kapamata they could speak Mandarin oh okay which, well, yeah, I didn't uh, like I forgot I guess I forgot about that but yeah mm-hmm. well, like we purchased a couple of stuff mm-hmm. you know learning new gifts I have gifts coming up and stuff for people's birthdays and um all the shop owners were like really kind mm-hmm. and like when I was talking to my mother I mean Mandarin they would then interject and respond in Mandarin <laughs> as well and I'm like oh That's typical of Asians <laughs> yeah they just know they're just so brilliant they just know how to they they like a lot of me and these people um knew yeah they know Mandarin which I was just like oh so impressed I mean I'm sure there's some sort of history involving that, oh, yeah, which I'm, a lot um, of um Chinese that moved to yeah um, and then you know yeah overseas again yeah yeah so um a big bowl of, well actually I had Hainan chicken yesterday I didn't have oh, nice fur because it was too hot it was literally like 35 degrees in Kapramata and then mm-hmm. today in Sydney it feels like 21 which yeah. I think it is yeah. yeah it's very cold yeah and very chill well yeah. let's jump into our cultural consumption of the week Helen do you want to kick us off okay so I'll kind of continue with my culture consumption during my Christmas and New Year's break um which I didn't have enough time to share last week um uh one of the films that I want to share with everyone is Darjeeling Limited um mm-hmm. which is directed by Wes Anderson for some mm-hmm. reason I'm kind of I don't want to say that I'm obsessed with his work but it's undeniable that his work his works are really like sort of quirky yeah they are yeah. Would, kind of attract you to continue to watch it right okay and he's always have the same group of cast <laughs> yeah you know um, I mean, Owen Wilson noticed, yeah Owen Wilson and Bill Ben Stiller is Ben Stiller also is a favorite yeah. so Darjeeling Limited uh, starring Owen Wilson um Andrea Brody and uh, it's the dark humor drama about three brothers trying to kind of restore their family relationship through a train trip in India <laughs> Um, anyone? Yes, yes, it's so funny. <laughs> so Owen Wilson's character is Francis, obviously the oldest of the three, who is a kind of a mild uh, control freak. He can uh, like he plans everything and calling it a spiritual journey in India, obviously for white people. <sighs> so the the trip took a very drastic turn when they experienced death. With the local people and watching the rituals of the local people, um, had enlightened themselves and restored the bitterness of the sibling relationship. I think sometimes some people might think that Wes Anderson's work is a little cultural appropriated, which I think sometimes it does. Um, apart from Darjeeling Limited, there's a uh, Isle of Dogs, uh, which is a story based in Japan. Uh, it's an animated movie and. I think the latest one is French Dispatch, which is another film we watched during the holidays. But personally, I think Anderson does a fair job in presenting like non-English cultures, even so that maybe some people might feel like he is exoticizing or fetishizing those cultures. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. I think I've seen parts of this movie. Is is Rachel Weisz in this movie? Um, no, she's not. Angelica oh, okay. Houston is. Oh, okay. Uh, I might be thinking of uh, another movie where Rachel Weisz is in the movie. Okay. As, yeah. as like, like a romantic interest. Oh, okay. Yeah. But I, I thought this was a really fun movie to watch. 
Mm-hmm. Because Wes Anderson always incorporate really um, wacky styles of yeah. yeah. and um, close-up shots of very strange stuff, very funny dialogues. Yeah, okay. I have to say, um, I'm not a, I'm not the greatest fan of Wes Anderson's films. Mm-hmm. I feel like I think the first Wes Anderson movie I ever saw was Moonrise Kingdom in 2012. Mm-hmm. And I kind of, because it's, I sort of, I feel like his cutesy quirkiness is so, like, it insists on itself in in the sense that it insists on its quirkiness, sometimes to the detriment of just like the movie's kind of um, storyline. Mm. Like, I feel like he sometimes portrays like the way he sh- the way he makes a movie and the style of it is so like it insists on itself it's it's like a style that insists on itself in a way that I just like I'm like I get it you're it's kind of like you know when in high school or at uni there was always that quirky somewhat attractive man or woman who had like really quirky sun glasses and like a really cool tote bag or something mm-hmm. and you you observe them from afar and you're always like hmm you're really quirky and I'd like to get to know you and then you know, during the last weeks of semester, you do finally have a conversation with them and they're, like, very vapid. That's kind of, like, what I feel with Wes Anderson. Like, it's sometimes I feel like to him the aesthetic is more important than the content of the movie, you know? Oh, yeah, I get what you mean. Um, Yeah, yeah, and and then, like, honestly, and then I saw the Grand Budapest Hotel, which I believe I didn't mind as much. Mm -hmm. Like, I didn't mind that. I like um, Ralph Fiennes in that role. I think he's in there. And then, like I think a few years ago, um, my my um, my interest in him in um, Wes Anderson um, sort of diminished even more after, like um, during the pandemic, the French Dispatch, the trailer for it was showing everywhere for years and years. It felt like it never came out. Mm-hmm. It was so weird. I don't know, but um, yeah. And then, like even the way his trailers are made are very, um, you know, very distinct in his own style and. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Have you seen that Dog Island? One? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, yeah. I've seen the yeah. Isle of Dogs. Yeah. Do you like that one? Apparently, that's not bad. That's not bad because I think um, it took into a field that is very rarely used. The style of animation mm. is mm-hmm. very rarely. It's not sort of those cutesy. You need. I. I can't even. I don't even explain what sort of animation style it is. It's not the Japanese Asian sort of manga style, and it's not like American comic style. Yeah. Yeah. Either. So it's a very strange. But the story was really good. Um, obviously, because I love dogs myself. Mm. It's a, a story about how. Uh, um, a young boy is in search of his dog and end up antagonizing the whole government. Yeah. Yeah. And I really love that. Um, but in the back of mine, I, I still think in that movie, The Isles of Dogs has a little bit sense of um, exoticizing Japan. Oh, of course, yeah. 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 Um, I mean, watching it from the point of view of, of an Asian, that's my personal opinion. Yeah. But what do you say about um, French Dispatch? I had the same I had the same feeling as well. It, if you – like between Darjeeling Limited and French Dispatch, which are the two movies I watched over the holidays. Yeah. 
I didn't like French Dispatch. That oh, I, right, interesting. Yeah, even though they had a huge, brilliant cast, you know. Oh they, yeah. Um, Francis McDonald is um, Timothy Chalamet. Yeah, Timothy Chalamet. And what there's a, that French French woman I can't. I I have her. Lea Sado. I love her. I have her face and her, yeah. her body in my mind, but I couldn't care. I can't remember her name. Yeah. Lea Sado. I think so. Oh, is it Marianne Cotier? Probably Leah Sado. I remember Leah Sado in the trailer as like a cop. Yes, yes, yes. Yeah, yes. Yeah. She's, a, she's a Bond. Star. She's a Bond girl. As yeah, well. yeah, the Bond Bond woman. Yeah, but yeah, French Dispatch. I didn't see the French Dispatch, and I had no interest in it just because I like the, the trailer drummed it into me that I was just like, oh, I can't, oh, I can't stand any more Timothy Chalamet. I think it, the French Dispatch dragged a little bit, right? Yeah, nothing at all. But whereas Darjeeling Limited, it's on the move all the time. There's always new things coming up, even so that there's the, you know, the the stern expression of Owen Wilson that always yeah. makes you laugh. I really, I have a lot of time for Owen Wilson. I really like him. One of my favorite movies is actually um, Midnight in Paris. Oh yes, I, I mean, I, I, yeah. I don't want to comment about about you know Woody Allen. We don't need to go there right now. But I, I really love Midnight in Paris. It's so mm. it's so beautiful. You know, it's literary in a way that is not like saccharine. You know, like it's it's upbeat. Oh, yeah, yeah. Midnight in Paris and the music. Yes, I love yes. Midnight in Paris. And Leah Sado is in Midnight in Paris. You know. Yeah, and I guess you know we're jumping from one um, one straight male. Actually, I don't know whether Sanders is straight, but anyway, let's just say one male, <laughs> white male from another another auteur um, filmmaker is um, Damien Chazelle. I was along with my partner lucky enough to be invited to the Australian premiere this week yes. in Sydney. Um, I was very excited. Um, uh, it was a Monday night, so I wasn't excited about that. Like, who wants to go out on a Monday night? And then so many people. At the- yeah, I mean, I didn't. Yeah, I didn't really mind the number of people, but um, because like I've never been to a movie premiere, and this was quite a big deal because um, Margot Robbie would be there, and I was lucky enough to see her about fifty meters away, <laughs> kind of like taking selfies with with fans who were like crowded outside of Market Street. So this premiere took place in um, the State Theater, and when we went, eventually got inside. I mean, uh, it was, first of all, just nice to dress up. I never dress up. I hate dressing up. Mm-hmm. Only in that because I'm very lazy. I'm just very, I'm very, very lazy. Mm-hmm. But, you know, I got a new um, black slip dress, which I was very excited about wearing. Mm-hmm. So I did that. Um, and the setting of uh, the premiere, the State Theatre, was very apt because a lot of the decor inside kind of matched the the decor of yeah the movie which you know i mean i'm not gonna i'm not even gonna be explain what it is about because i know everyone who's listening you know has seen the posters the posters the trailer it's everywhere it's everywhere and um it kind of i get it why it's kind of everywhere because um unfortunately the movie is not that good it's (laughs) um, it's too long um it's too long it's over it's over three hours so it's oh my god um, it doesn't. I have to say, it doesn't feel like three hours. Like you're never looking at the watch, but um, but it's it's a film that um 
kind of bludgeons you across the head with its excess. Uh, There's a lot of naked bodies. Uh-huh. There's a lot of sort of sexual orgy scenes. Mm-hmm. Um, there's a lot of like crazy bang, 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 bang. Um, and I guess I wasn't too disappointed only because like um, I kind of, I mean, I'm not a huge fan of Margot Robbie. I'm like, yeah, I respect mm-hmm. her. You know, I don't go gaga crazy over her. Brad Pitt I have no time for. Mm-hmm. As in like I, I just, I'm, I'm like shrug, yeah, so what? Um and then, like, um, and then there are like other cast members, like um, Gene Smart is in there. There's like um, up and coming great um, POC actors, um, one who plays a black trumpeter. Um, so, and and then one, another one who um, Lee Jung Lee, who's um, uh, whose character is based on Anime Wong, who you know, Alan, oh, yeah. Helen, yeah. you yeah. and I have talked talk about, about on this podcast. Yeah the marginalised Hollywood silent film star era um, actor. Mm-hmm. Um, and she was great. I think she was definitely the strongest character in the movie. Nice. Um, but I wasn't, yeah, I um, I wasn't going in thinking this is going to be as good as La La Land because just like La La Land is one of my favourite movies. It left me feeling so inspired about making art in a way that um, only few things have made me feel, you know, um, so, but but um, but unfortunately, yeah, the music is not as good. Um, uh, it's a bit too all, all over the place. And I'm mm. very grateful that I had a chance to write a review for it, which will come out in Women's Agenda tomorrow. Nice. Um, which are you know, Helen, I'll send to you, and we'll post in the show notes as well eventually. I had I had a really good time um, mm. coming home and reading the Metacritic reviews. Mm-hmm. Um, that slammed the movie like <laughs> very, very harshly. Wow. Yeah, it, it got like 63, 63% on Metacritic, I think, something very low. Um, a lot of people didn't like it. What do you, what do you think is the problem? Reason? Yeah, I don't oh, want, um, I shouldn't use yeah, the problem. But yeah, I think yeah, the, the reason, reason is um, there was no, like the writing wasn't very strong. There was no, mm-hmm. like we had four to six very, we sort of follow the story of, you know, these three, four, five, six people mm-hmm. um, in during the last days of the silent film era mm-hmm. to the to the beginning of like the talkies, like when when sound came into film. Into, yeah. And you know, there's a great cast. There's Margot Robbie. There's Brad Pitt. There's Gene Smart. But um, their characters and the way they were written were just like so vapid. Like they had no real depth to them. Yeah, there's no. And and yeah, and the and the sort of um, the sort of the sort of um, tenor of the film is just so excessive. Like it bashes you across the head with loud music and quick shots and you're just like, you're just spending the whole time thinking, what, huh, huh, huh? Like you could, you feel like you can never grounded while watching mm-hmm. the movie, really. Um, yeah, and then, and then like, um, yeah, I think that's mainly people's, a lot of people, critics, are, I have so much fun reading the reviews. <laughs> um, Time Magazine's critic, Stephanie, someone or other, something starting with Z, she was like, um, this film, um, Jamin Chazelle had intended the film to be about like um, a, a homage to Hollywood and mm. cinema making. Yeah. So like you mentioned to me beforehand, um, recently we've seen a lot of movies that are about filmmaking. So like yeah. Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, Empire of the Light, um the fablemans yeah a lot of a lot of films about filmmaking and kind of i think 
I think it's a product of the sort of um, the post-pandemic fatigue, like fear, the see. Hollywood industry fearing that nobody will, you know, watch films watch again. Films again. I mean, we we have this um, concern every few years. It never really, it never really um, goes away. Mm. But also, I think like it's a legitimate fear. I get it. But um, but people will always go to the cinemas. I reckon this is just my personal personal opinion. But the yeah, the Time magazine um, critic was like saying he didn't. He didn't like this isn't a love letter to Hollywood. It's like um it's like uh he it's like Stephen Chazelle condescending to Hollywood wow. because um just the way he talks tells a story. Mm. Yeah, a lot of people a lot of critics were unimpressed. Mm, I see. I haven't seen the film yet. I'd love to hear yeah, I'd love to see probably see it when starting to see yeah. somewhere. Yeah. But it does sound like with the you know, with how you describe it, it sounds like it's a movie that you need to see it at the cinema with all those visual. I, yeah, I guess. Yeah, I guess. Yeah, yeah. 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 It was. Uh, it was just a bit too much. Like, there's a long party scene. They're, like, if if the actors were not partying, they were like snorting coke in some small. Yeah, that's um, what's been portrayed in the trailer. <laughs> yeah, there's a lot of kind of snorting, that. drinking, fucking like. Yeah, it's just like um, it feels like it's a movie that was loud for the sake of being loud without any kind of depth. That's how I felt. Yeah, yeah. I but see. I'll be keen to hear what you think when you eventually watch it. Okay, interesting. Yeah, from one loud movie to something a bit slow. Oh, nice. And maybe a little bit more tender. Um, so the last few days, um, I started rewatching a Japanese short. Then it's not short, but the episodes are short. Um, Japanese series called uh, Midnight Diner. Um, I started watching with my daughter without remembering that it has adult content. Yeah, what kind uh, of adult content? It's got a narratives surrounding the adult videos industry, <laughs> strippers and. <laughs> Adult video um, male performers. Mm-hmm. Um, anyway, so this is a, a drama that's set in this little tiny diner in the red light district somewhere. I assume it's in Tokyo. Mm-hmm. It's it has a very warm and poignant atmosphere. The master, where what everyone calls him, he's the owner of the diner. He will serve you food with ingredients that he has in his kitchen, or you can. Um, you can also provide him the ingredients, and then he he could cook it for you. So the regular, reg, sorry, the regular patrons of the diners are mostly like social misfits. Each episode depicts their um, individual, the patrons, their personal relationships or social issues. Like I said, some with adult content, and I skipped that part when I was watching with my daughter. Without we were like, oops, I, I forgot that this. This uh, episode is this, so we just like cover her eyes and ask, like, Do you want us to skip it? And she said, Oh, okay, let's skip it. Uh-huh. Um, but she loves watching the food being prepared, being cooked. Um, it's just a lot of genuine portrayal of people's relationship. There's um, characters of the Yakuza, strippers, uh, drag queens. It's certainly not loud. Uh, it's a very kind of a slow moving pace where. I think Japanese uh, cinema or you know television does the best because then their narratives of their feelings is flow through that kind of slowness. 
um, between each other. Um, mm. Yeah, and it's just a, a stories about people who has who have been kind of ostracized by the society. Yeah, and w- I think so far my my daughter really enjoyed watching it. Yeah, mm. a lot of dark humor in it. Yeah, that's great. It's really that like you're exposing your daughter to like you know content from other countries other than America. Mm, yeah, I, I like that. I think that she enjoys it as well. She 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 found it fun to try to um, stay onto the stay watching it because um, there's always like a mystery behind. Yeah, the the story of an individual person. Like, oh, yeah. does he um, behave like that now? Why is he so angry? You know, and you mm. slowly opens up like a pandora's box and looking into his past or her past uh, life and i think that's kind of like a story building there's more content in it mm-hmm. why she likes to watch it yeah yeah okay so let's take a break and when we come back i just want to give a shout out to a couple of asian australians who we were lucky enough, we are the lucky one, mm. we, we got onto the list of the Asian Australia Alliance 2022 list. Um, so I'll pick a couple of people from that list and that's what we'll be talking about when we come back. Amazing. We'll be right back. And we're back, Helen. Um, what is this list you uh, you mentioned before? Okay, so Asian Australian Alliance. But anyway, so there's a website called BeingAsianAustralian.net. It's a place where you have uh, a compiled resources for Asian Australians. There's a news platform for Asian Australians as well. And last year we were approached by them and you know kind of asking everyone to nominate the Asian Australians that are on the media or not only in media I think in other industries as well mm-hmm. are um, active in promoting our identity and our stories and obviously of course we didn't nominate ourselves we were nominating other people mm. and other um, groups of Asian Australians but when I found out at the beginning of the year we were nominated as well, I was kind of shocked because I always thought that we're such a small, you know, uh, a small podcast that not a lot of people <laughs> listen to. So I was kind of surprised and happy about it. Yeah, it was very, very well, flattering. Yeah, it's very flattering. And anyway, so I looked through the list. Um, there's actually a couple of people that I didn't I, I didn't think that Jessica Malboy was Asian. I didn't know that her father is Indonesian. Oh. I always thought that she's uh, First Nation people. Right, right. Dad, so she's like a half. She's, her dad's Indonesian. And uh, um, I was happy to see uh, Annette Shuwan. Uh, mm-hmm. with an extensive extensive career in Australia, we all know, in screens and performance industry, particularly television and film and theatre. I think she's currently a freelance writer at the moment. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And since 2013, she's an executive producer for Contemporary Asian Australian Performance at Carriage Works, uh, which is in Sydney. One of the the person who was, who is on a list um, surprised me as well, mm-hmm. not in the way that that he shouldn't be on the list, but in the way that I I feel kind of ashamed that I don't know him. 
Oh yeah, tell um, us about it. This is James Wan or James Wen. Wen Ziren, I, I think that's his Chinese name. Yeah, who is an Australian director, producer, screenwriter, and comic book writer. He has primarily worked in horror genre as a co-creator of the Saw and Insidious franchise, and the creator of the Conjuring universe. Wow. I'm like, why I didn't know about this before? Yeah. Because I only saw what Anglo names in those productions. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, his name's right. Wasn't you know. In the spotlight, um, the latermost, which is a Conjuring universe, the highest grossing horror horror franchise, at over two billion dollars. He's also the founder of the film and television production company Atomic Monster Production. Yeah, so it, it really surprised me that I didn't know about him at all, which is kind of an Asian shame. <laughs> for me, but that's okay. I mean, you like you said before, you're not across the whole uh, horror no, genre horror that genre. much. Yeah. yeah, that's true. Yeah, and his latest work—if you've seen the—I think it's on everywhere as well, like on the yeah. buses, in in the bus and cities. Um, it's called Megan. Uh, oh yeah, yeah. Like it's, this, it's the doll. The doll, like uh, real life. You look girl. You know, yeah, doll horror film. Yeah, yeah. Billy and I have been talking about wanting to go see it. Oh yeah, yeah. Yeah, and then obviously I'm not going to go with him because um, because <laughs> I don't like horror. You like I'd, horror? Yeah. yeah, I think the only time I went to see a horror film with him, I spent the whole film just watching his face, Co- covering your covering my face, and not looking at the screen, and just watching his face, <laughs> <laughs> just like this. And then he'll be like, "Just what are you doing?" Yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah, so uh, James Wan is uh, one of the producer for this film, and it seems like he's he's got this appeal towards the puppets. Even his uh, Instagram account name is Creepy Puppets. <laughs> everyone has this sort of fetishization of horror. Like for me personally, my family knows that I'm really into zombies. Like oh, I love okay. watching zombie movies or television series. Uh-huh, uh-huh. Zombies. But apart from Walking Dead, Dead, I haven't seen that one yet.、Mm-hmm. So Megan, actually, Megan, the movie reminds me of Kazuo Ishiguro's、um, Clara and the Sun. Yeah. Oh. About yeah, the yeah. AI doll that、yes. is purchased to replace like a lost daughter. Or yes. Sibling. But but but、yeah. in Clara and the Sun, they don't go and murder people, right? Yeah. It's it's not about horror. <laughs> yeah. But it's a very bleak and desolate. Yeah, response to the family tragedy, the, the novel. But you know, I still have to read that, Helen. I haven't read it yet. And I think it's a, a book that you could finish over a weekend. Okay. Okay. Yeah, it's very easy and yeah. But his writing is not hard to read. But at the good, same time,、good. it's really sad. Oh, it's, okay. It's a, a bit morbid, I think. Okay. Yeah. Um. Yeah. So James Wan is uh the. You know the main person I really want to mention it, and you know we are so happy that we are on the list with the oh yeah with yeah. all the Asian very, Australians. Yeah, very flattered.、Mm. Okay, so、um, should we、Let's、move, move on, on to, to yes the debate? So every year there's kind of like in a you know I still have to catch myself up on this because、um, and obviously we're talking about the Lunar New Year, the Year of the Rabbit. Um, short. If you see, you know,、um, rabbits around Sydney or wherever city you are in,、um, L N Y、um, is now the kind of politically correct way of saying it. But、yeah. like, I still have to catch myself because sometimes I say Chinese New Year, just、um, like automatically, just like we grew up, we're just saying that. You yeah. Know? 
just off like that. Um, but Lunar New Year, you know, it's it's now what you should say because, you know, not only Chinese people celebrate this mm-hmm. calendar. Um, yeah. So Vietnamese, but, yeah. uh, Koreans, Malaysians, um, people with Chinese background but who are not Chinese anymore. Yeah, Indonesians. <laughs> yeah. Um, you know, people across Asia celebrate this Lunar New Year. It's become more inclusive, I think. Yeah, yeah. I remember when I was in primary school, I think year three, um, you know, our ESL teacher, the legendary Mrs. Woodhead, Woodhead. Tina Woodhead. um, She um, would like, during Chinese, sorry, I did it. During uh, Lunar New Year, we would like, we would have like, we would dress up as like, uh, we would go in the dragon costume. Oh, really? The whole dragon thing, yeah. Carlton Webb's public school had a lot of Asians. Yes. So it was like. It has a lot of age. Yeah. So it was thick <laughs> in part of the culture. Yeah. And I kind of look back and am very grateful for that. Mm, mm. That, I mean, she, that this white old, older woman yeah. would like, um, would know to give us an oh, avenue of celebrating, mm-hmm. you know, our culture without ever fetishizing us. Like, I don't feel yeah. like she ever othered us in any way at all. No, she didn't. Yeah. yeah. She kind of guided us through and tried to. And she's there, she's keen to learn as well. I think she's yeah, keen to look yeah. at the students' experience and the students' um, stories, you know, our personal stories as well, yeah. Um, yeah, so I think there's still a lot of people who debate over um, whether or not it is appropriate to say uh, Lunar New Year or Chinese New Year or some... Uh, lately, I've seen Instagram that uh, some people are debating over... That oh it is it came from China so you're supposed to still call it Chinese New Year. Oh okay. Personally, I don't think so because everyone celebrates it now. Yeah. Um, Lunar New Year, it's um you know the movement of the moon. It's not really. It's everyone sees the moon. You know, um the moon doesn't. It, it's not a property of China, so <laughs> <laughs> you can call it. You should be able to call it Lunar New Year. And I want to move on to the horoscopes of uh, the year of rabbits for us because yeah. you're the rabbit, Jess. Yeah, it is, is uh, my year. Yeah, this it is, is my not... year, the rabbit, which which is why Helen has that rabbit on her face. <laughs> yeah, um, I I looked up the horoscopes for the Chinese zodiac, the animal mm-hmm. zodiacs, for this year. Uh, funny enough, that English version seems to be all positive for the Chinese version, the Hong Kong website which is um, written by, I think, by this fortune teller in Hong Kong. It's kind of um, depressive. <laughs> For some yeah. reason, I think they go into more details, very technical details, that which I have no idea how to translate it. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So apparently for the people who are rabbits, um, it's a, a, a year that is Tong Tai Sui, I think it is like offending. It's something bad will happen to um, people with the um, rabbit zodiac. It Mm. says that this year, uh, for people who are turning 36 and 49, you'll have to be aware of your emotional issues. Remind yourself to be more positive. there is uh, a health problem that could be come up anytime, so just be careful about it. Mm. Yeah. 
And even for me as well, it seems a bit depressive as well for a rooster. Yeah, what is that? Is that there's a lot of changes with my career, my relationship, and my house. That's uh, a bit alarming. Yeah, I know. It sounds so depressive,、um, especially in the lunar new lunar year of February and August. I'm assuming that's like March and September.、Mm-hmm. Um, watch out for. Uh, vehicle accidents. Oh my god! Try to drive safe. I don't. Oh my god! So funny. This is terrible. Yeah, but um, in 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 another you know um, introspective that the English one. There's actually a website called Chinese Zodiac dot org. They say that uh, let me see what's the year of rabbits for rabbit zodiac. Oh, he says that it's time to tap into this energy to make most of it. To start, for people of rabbits,、uh, focus on building strong connections with loved ones, colleagues, and anyone else in their lives. After all, rabbit is known for its ability to create and maintain harmonious relationship. And as for Korea, careers,、uh, 2013 is the perfect time to focus on professional development and advancement. So that's the advice for you, Jess. Take advantage of networking opportunities, build relationship with colleagues, and even consider taking on new projects or additional responsibilities. But you're already busy enough, aren't you? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, also, I don't believe in any of these. Yeah, it's something very trivial, but it's fun to,、yeah. you know, once in a while, once in a while. Everyone born in 1987 will、yeah, go through、I'm、a terrible、sure. time this year. <laughs> a lot of people. And everyone else will not go through a terrible time.、Mm. Yeah, something else about Lunar New Year, which、uh, we touched on last year's as well, is the capitalism of Lunar New Year. Yeah, it、um, seems like every every year around this time, Helen starts、um, spamming、oh, our whole family <laughs> chat about all the things that she's seeing, and it's like Helen. Yes, it's it's just getting worse every year. It's getting Actually, yeah. Um, I see that Tony Birch, Tory Birch, has a collection of rabbit kind of new design with rabbits on it. Oh, okay. Sweaters、uh-huh. that don't look too trashy. Like often when designers, you know, just kind of capitalize on the Chinese New Year festive animal, it it is like oh, as、uh, the stuff I've seen in the past, like the the giant tiger on the handbag with Louis Vuitton. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. We talked about、like、who would buy that? It's it's, it's really so ugly. Yeah. yeah. So apart from luxury brands, this year、uh, for me, I really took the observation towards the food,、uh, especially on chocolate. Much more exciting yeah, topic than fashion. The on the rise of capitalizing on Lunar New Year, mm-hmm, especially mm-hmm. European brands,、mm-hmm. um, had already jumped onto the bandwagon and marketed specific Lunar New Year gift boxes, like. Or range or Lunar New Year range to attract、mm-hmm. Asian markets.、Um, I've seen Godiva, which is、um, they've just entered Australian market. I, I believe late last year. How like, exciting! They opened a new, they opened a store in Chatswood. <gasps> yeah, we need to go to Chatswood. You know, we need to go central place. Yeah, we need to go to Chatswood for that, right? And because you know they're all over America, and I every time I go to America, I love eating Godiva chocolates, but also.、Um, Um, Chatswood for the video game. Stuff. <laughs> video game. 
there's, a, there's, a, there's like an ES, gaming. ESC gaming yeah. restaurant. It's Game. like Japanese food where you can eat like sushi and sashimi while like gaming your way yeah. through an evening. Playing the arcade game. Oh my God, it is so good. We have to go. Shout <laughs> out to ESC gaming in Chatswood. Okay, so coming back to our discussion, so Godiva, Haig, which is an Australian brand. Oh, yeah, what has Haig done? Haig has been doing like Lunar New Year um, gift boxes for the past few years. I've oh. seen. Yeah, and there's. I'm have a look now. Coco Black does it as well. And as we know, that the more affordable range are Kit Kat. Kit Kat oh. has uh, this rabbit shape um, chocolates that's been selling everywhere in supermarkets. Oh, really? I haven't seen them. Yeah. Um, so I feel like it's kind of like what whitewashing overtaking Lunar New Year um, sweets, which mm. made me think about the uh, traditional sweets that we had, or at least I had when I was growing up. Mm. I mean, the reason of eating something sweet during the Lunar New Year mm-hmm. or Taiwanese culture is because sweetness is associated with prosperity and eating sweets physically makes you feel good, obviously. Yeah. And also, there's a say in Chinese. Um, apologies in ahead because I'm gonna butcher this time. No, I love Chinese. Go. <laughs> it's a, it's, jia di di holy, holy he yuan, go chu bi. eat eat sweets and make bring you good fortunes and relationships surrounding your household. Oh, I love that. Yeah. So people believe that eating sweets would result you, you know, speaking better sweetly you, you talk yeah. Sweetly. yeah better in communications i guess oh. yeah um so some tiny sweets uh from my own childhood memory do for new lunar new year includes like candy and watermelon it's like a dry fruit the dry winter melon uh-huh. um coated with sugar uh-huh. uh sugar is it, almond yeah is it soft yeah, it's soft it's oh, almost like a like gummy, a gummy? Yeah. yeah 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 yum and is it individually wrapped some of them are individual wraps, okay. some of them is just in a huge pack. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah there's sugar, almond, candy, peanuts. Um, candy, peanuts are the best. Yeah, the, t- the t- how Chinese candy, candy, peanuts is the best. fucking do nuts and, and candy. <laughs> Sesame, peanut. Yeah, we know and how to do nuts. nuts. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, so we have the almond cookies as well. There's a walnut slice. I don't walnut know if you slice. remember. Mm-hmm. It's almost like a jelly texture, a bit more, a bit more hard, hard, harder than jelly texture, but it's got walnut in it. Oh, yeah. In it. Mm. Obviously, different types of gui, the uh, rice flour, uh, rice yeah. cakes. Yeah, rice cake, gui. Mm-hmm. You know, depending on where you're from, every region of Asia has something that is made with rice powder yeah. and yeah. into oh, a rice. So good. Uh, rice cake. One particular Lunar New Year snack that I want to mention today is Ma Lao or Mi Lao. I, I don't know if you remember, it's like a rice crispy or sesame crispy. It's, mm-hmm. That's how it's been translated in English. Um, I do believe that this is like a Taiwanese uh, traditional sweet that is from Fujian. So the how they make it is that with taro powder and rice powder, you mix it together with water into a dough and once the dough is fermented you mm-hmm. cut it into small pieces deep fry it first into like a honeycomb shape pieces then those pieces are coated with malt sugar syrup 
and then finally um, cope with the grounded sesame or peanuts. So inside is like crispy, and outside you have this um, sugar syrup with uh, oh like puff rice or peanut powder. Oh my phone! That sounds so <laughs> fucking. I'm just like drooling. So you have the, um, do you remember the um, sesame balls that you have in, in Yamcha? Yeah, yeah, like, yeah. It's similar. It's similar to that. So it's yeah. like deep fry and sugar coated with sugar. Yeah, sugar. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Also powdered powdered um, peanut nuts. Yeah. Best thing ever. Ever. Yeah, they're great. I can inhale that thing. <laughs> yeah, just <laughs> through your nose. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. What I remember is um something I still like um chichi chocolate. Oh yeah, the uh, nougat with Hakoda with chocolate. Chocolate. Yeah. Chocolate, yeah. 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 Nougat's in Taiwan is really oh, big. Yeah. yeah. Nougat's yeah. in Taiwan is very big, and I think it's somehow it just tastes different. The Australian it does. one. Does I don't like European too. nougat. Yeah. It's I just, don't like kind uh, of nougat you get in Australia. Yeah. And speaking of nougat, um, my one of my favorite people in the world, Billy, um. Uh, we had a discussion a few weeks ago where he was like, because he really likes talking about desserts as well. And he was like, does, <laughs> he was like, does anyone actually really like nougat? Um, and I was like, yeah, I don't think so. I don't think anyone actually really likes nougat. They'll have to try the time. Yeah, like, and and I'll, I have, bring some, I'll bring some back. When well, I, actually, I have a whole packet, like um, oh, little, do you? tiny little ones, which I, I haven't can, eaten. Yeah. Um, but I will make sure to give it to Billy because I actually yeah. forgot that it's actually nougat because it doesn't taste yeah. like nougat. It's you just like soft and chewy. Yeah. yeah. I think it's chocolate. Yeah. Yeah. That's the end of our episode. That's it from us uh, this week. Um, remember- yeah, have a great Lunar New Year, everyone. Make sure you, you know, send us your pictures from your celebrations. We'd love to see them. Yeah, yes. We'll be posting something from our own family. Yeah, massive feast. We yeah. All yeah, so remember to subscribe to our podcast on Spotify, Google, and Apple and give us a five-star rating. If you would like to support what we do here at Asian Beaches Sounder, head to Buy Me Coffee page and make a donation for us to continue the intersectionality in the podcast industry. So that's it from us this week. And Happy Lunar New Year, guys. Have a safe week and a pros. Prosperous, 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 prosperous